on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy, the show that talks 100% L.A. Galaxy soccer. We're glad you could join us. Now it's time to sit back and relax as your hosts navigate through the twisting, turning, but never boring world of the five-time MLS Cup champion, L.A. Galaxy. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Gessman, coming to you on a Thursday, October 28th, just three days before Halloween. Too hot to be saying that. I realize that. It's supposed to be cooling down. It should, should be good on Halloween. LA Galaxy get a uh, 2-0 road slap uh, from the Sporting Kansas City. We're going to talk about that game. And I say we, I mean me. I'm going to talk about that game. LA Galaxy didn't look good. We'll talk about it, see if we can find any redeeming qualities in it. I doubt we can. We're going to do it anyway. I'm, of course, getting you ready for the Seattle game. A whole bunch of MLS news in there as well. Some stats some graphs, some charts, all that fun stuff. We're going to make sure that we have all of it ready and rocking and rolling for you today. All right. Whew. How's everybody feeling? A little, little personal check-in with everybody. want to ask. want to make sure everybody's okay. Uh, I'd like to start by telling you uh, a crazy story that happened to me uh, today while I was driving home. Uh, driving down the 55 on the south side, uh, southbound side of the 55. Uh, I don't know if people are familiar with it. Maybe you are, maybe you aren't. Uh, but, uh, going, going South headed home, uh, there's a split to the 73 and there's this car in front of me and apparently they thought they had missed their exit and they, 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 you could tell that something was up. They put their turn signal on, even though the exit and the split had happened quite a long time. And we know that in most cases, those two exits are on level ground. Um, and then you could just go through the median, which, by the way, you should never do those those striped out areas there. You should never go through those. Don't. I mean, as a matter of fact, don't ever go through those. Um, that's a that's a that's a request. That's a that's me, you know, begging. Please don't ever go through those. Um, so this person apparently thought they were going to go through that and just jump on the 73 because they missed their turn. Um, they didn't realize apparently that there's about a 15 foot elevation change and it's higher going to the 73 than it is as the 55 drops down, the 73 goes up. Um, so this person started to drive at, Oh, I'm guessing 70, 75 miles an hour on a 30 degree bank up, uh, you know, towards the, the 73 split. Um, and so, uh, they quickly realized that was a horrible idea slammed on their brakes. Um, people started, you know, peeling off, going different ways. I was right behind them. So I sort of watched it all happen in very slow motion. Um, and, uh, and then passed by as they slammed on their brakes and stopped and their car came to a rest. Everybody was fine. It looked like it was fine, 
But here is the more here's Josh's moral of the story. One of my my uh, we have an argument in my family uh, between my dad, my mom, my sister, um, and we argue about it all the time. Who the best driver is, and it's very clear who the best driver is. It's me. But everybody else likes to pretend that they're the best driver. My sister will tell tell you she's the best driver. She's not even close to the best driver. Um, being she doesn't listen to this, I'll tell you, she's probably four of four on that whole thing. Uh, my mom taught me how to drive. My mom is a very good driver. Uh, my mom and my dad, my dad is, uh, is a good driver. He drives a lot, so he thinks that he's a really good driver. Let's just say they're tied, and it's clearly me um, up there. But my mom taught me something, and I'm going to sh- share it all with you is she always told me, if you go past your exit, just just go. Just go past it. You can always come back around. It doesn't matter. Don't try to do something crazy. Don't try to like drive through bushes or up really steep embankments to changes. Just go to the next one. And this this is true even when you're driving in the middle of the desert and you know that you pass your exit and it's going to be another 10 or 12 miles until there's a turnaround. There will always be a turnaround. This way you are safe. So that was my little uh, fun wake-up call on the way back uh, from uh, from work today. So um, yeah, there you go. A little personal check-in. Hope everybody's doing well. Hope everybody's driving safely. I know it rained on Monday. I'm sure that was a shocking experience for some of you. Um, just slow down a little bit whenever it rains. Just a little bit. I mean, I'm not saying you have to crawl. Just slow down a little bit. I'm glad. This Is is this driver's ed talk with Josh? It feels that way. Um, but anyway, you've learned some very valuable lessons today. Um, in fact, more lessons probably than you will learn from the rest of the show where we talk about the LA Galaxy. You've learned that I'm the best driver in my family and it's not even close. Uh, and you've learned that you can always go past an exit and come back to it. So that's where we're at. Um, I'm solo tonight, as uh, as I'm sure most of you know. Eric was busy traveling um, and uh, and everybody else was a little busy. And you know what? We haven't done a solo show in a while. I haven't hung out with you guys. You guys haven't hung out with me just on a one-on-one. So I'm glad I could do it. And I'm glad it comes after this game because I think emotions are a little high after this game. Now, we went into this game, FYI. We went into this game talking about the Sporting Kansas City and the Seattle games coming up and how there was a very good chance the LA Galaxy were not going to win either of those games. Okay, either of those games. There was a very good chance. We knew that. You knew that. You t- don't don't lie to yourself and say, "No, man, I was convinced. I was going No, you knew there was a. It was a very very difficult task to go into Kansas City, a place the Galaxy do not win, um, and and try and get a result. All right, and and a point would have been great. By the way, a point would have been great. Um, that would have been a, a good thing. It was raining. It was like fifty six degrees. Um, it was. It was it, it was it was a game where really a lot of things were stacked up against the LA Galaxy. And so you knew going into these next two games, and now we're through one and we have the last one. This is the toughest game. This is probably the tougher game than really the Sporting Kansas City game when you figure you have to go to turf. Although the way Seattle's playing, we'll discuss it. Maybe not. Maybe there's some hope there. But the Galaxy had to play a perfect game in order to, to, to beat Sporting Kansas City. Very well coached. Very, very good job by Peter Vermees. I... I hate Peter Vermees when he's standing on the sideline yelling and screaming and whining for 90 minutes. I don't like that about him at all. I think it's his, the worst side of him. Um, but the man is absolutely, you know, an MLS genius whenever it comes to constructing teams and being there and supporting Kansas City looking to win the Western Conference uh, and has jumped over Seattle now. So um, there, you know, there was very slim chance of going in there and really getting things. They were jacked up. They knew that they'd get first place. All that saying. All that being said. If you want to take the positives out of this, Sporting Kansas City, who has a very good offense, who is known for for being able to score goals and manipulate defenses, got two shots on goal. They both went in. They both came from Johnny Russell. That's the that's that's your, that's the story of this game. If you want to take it just at that shallow level, that's the story of this game. 
All right. If you want to take it at a much bigger level, if you want to take it at a, I want to understand what happened, then it's very simple. The LA Galaxy got outplayed, outcoached, and outclassed. Not something you want to hear whenever you're trying to make the playoffs, but it came from a team that is significantly better, has significantly more experience than the LA Galaxy. All right. Uh, to be fair, Sporting Kansas City came into LA and kind of put the same performance on um, in LA, which was we will expend exactly as much energy as we need to expend in order to beat you. And this is one of the reasons we're one of the best teams in the Western Conference and in the league. All right. This is this is something mature teams understand. This is something the Seattle Sounders understand. All right. To be honest, this is something the Colorado Rapids do very well, which is expend just enough energy to beat you. Right? It's something the LA Galaxy did well against Houston when that 3 nothing win. We talk about that all the time, is that they expended enough energy to beat the Houston Dynamo, and then they were able to park it and slow it down. Okay? So, Sporting Kansas City, a very knowledgeable team. Greg Vanny acknowledged that they were very good. Afterwards, he, you know, he went through a whole bunch of reasons why the Galaxy didn't play. And like he, he had to interrupt me as I was trying to ask my second question. He was like, he was like, also, they're very good. He goes, let's not, let's not take anything away from it. And, and clearly there's some respect there for Peter Vermees as there should be, um, in this game. So, uh, that's, that's, that's the, the overall broad view. But like I said, the, the outplayed, outclassed, outcoached thing is hundred percent true. Um, we could talk about Greg Vanny. We could talk about the lineup. We can talk about all those things. Before we get too far into it, I want to remind everybody um, that New England has clinched the Supporter Shield, which is important to them. And the Supporter Shield means something. It just doesn't mean what MLS wants it to mean. Um, but they're doing it like in ridiculous fashion, 73 points. Bruce Arena put together a team in two years that now has the highest record number of points ever in the history of Major League Soccer. Um, they do it through a ridiculously weak Eastern Conference, um, and most of their games were played there, but they're averaging 2.21 points per game. Uh, they only have four losses all year. They're 12-1-3 at home and 10-3-4 and on the road, and they are 21 points right now ahead of the second-place team. That's almost seven wins, 21 points. is seven wins. That's seven wins better than, than, than a Nashville side. Um, New England, Nashville, both in the playoffs right now. Um, so we can talk a little bit about them, but you know, it, it goes worth, it, it's worth repeating. And I want to take everybody on a little history lesson as we look at, as we look at what has happened to the LA galaxy over this time is that after Siggy Schmidt was let go, um, and Siggy's health was on the downturn, uh, you know, Bruce arena did reach out to the LA galaxy. We reported on this whenever it happened, or at least, um, you know, within the months after it happened, but Bruce arena did contact the LA galaxy and, and offered to help. Offered to offered, yeah. I can't say offered to come back, but offered to help in some way in which Bruce wanted to help. Um, and we know that the LA Galaxy uh, that certainly they took that initial call, um, but they never called back. They never called back. Um, there were a lot of fans, including a lot of people who've listened to our show, who said Bruce Arena is done. There's no point in bringing him back. He's MLS 1.0. Soccer has passed Bruce by. Have a nice day, everybody. Soccer has passed Bruce Arena by. Just think about that for a second as, as you realize what he was able to do in New England. With, by the way, uh, I think a payroll that, that's in the 22nd range, like the 22nd out of 27 teams. I think it's 22nd. I, I'd have to go back and look it up. But it's down there. Um, 
So Bruce Arena was able to put together a winning team. And and by the way, I mean, you know, I've always said that New England has a has a weakness and it's Nashville and Nashville could definitely upset them in the playoffs. I don't know if you're slowing down Nashville or I don't know if you're slowing down New England right now in the Eastern Conference, maybe somebody in the Western Conference. Um, maybe maybe that makes sense. But Bruce Arena there. Li- listen, and somebody brought this up. I thought it was really good. And I forget who it was on Twitter, but um, Christian Miles, I think, even was was talking a little bit about it. And, and Christian Christian's great. Um, he was talking about how there was no respect sort of for somebody like Bruce Arena, MLS 1.0, like Dave Sarakin, MLS 1.0, like Dominic Kinnear, MLS 1.0. Any one of those guys could have and maybe should have been given the head of the LA Galaxy at some point. By the way, I'm I'm happy with Greg Vanny. I, and I think, I know people are upset and angry because the Galaxy are slowly slipping out of the playoffs. And listen, they're one point from the drop line right now. Uh, as they go into Monday, and we'll tell you, they could be out of the playoffs by the time they play on Monday. I don't know if that's going to happen. We'll take a look. There's some results that have to go, but, but that type of thing. But I'm happy with Greg Vanny. I'm happy with the progress that they made because there's been significant progress this year. The LA Galaxy sometimes play with purpose, meaning a game plan, all those things. Sporting Kansas City, and to bring it all the way back, that did not happen. Let's talk about Greg Vanny uh, making some mistakes in this. And I think, um, in general, listen, I'm not going to sit here and second-guess uh, personnel, especially whenever we look and say that Jovalich started up top. By the way, uh, this is like backup quarterback syndrome in, in either, either professional ranks or college football, where everybody's like, dude, put that backup quarterback in. He's going to do so good. Just put him in there. Um, well, you got your backup quarterback. You got Jovalich starting in this game because Chicharito did not travel with the team. He did not travel because he was sick. And I talked to Greg Vanny afterwards. We got notice uh, as soon as we figured that Chicharito was not here. Uh, and we were looking at the lineup. I, I asked the LA Galaxy. They came back and said um, said that he was sick and it was non-COVID related, but that they didn't want him traveling with the team and the whole deal. I'm like, okay, makes sense. But when you say that, you're like, oh, well, how sick is he? You know, what does he have, a hangnail or something like that? And in one of the biggest games of the year, he would have to be significantly sick in order for that to make sense, right? You would have to be pretty sick. Well, I mean, Greg Vanny afterwards said what Javier was going through. He said that he had, you know, a very high fever, aches and pains. He was throwing up, had a sore throat. Um, So a whole bunch of things that sound, you know, somewhat close to, to COVID, but are not COVID related. Um, at least that's what they're saying so far. We'll see. That can change always. But I, hey, flu season is around there too. All right, everybody. So you know, hey, Josh, the the life coach. I saw that in the in the uh, in the chat room. Josh, life coach, says go get your flu shot. Um, by the way, heard something on Twitter. Do not know if it's true. I'm gonna just pass it along, and somebody can say, let me. I think that might actually be true. They said that because everybody was wearing masks, because everybody was wearing masks uh, for the last year, that a couple of the flu strains absolutely ab- uh, went extinct. They went extinct. All we had to do was, why doesn't every, you know, common good. We could have all just worn some masks for a couple of years and maybe we can knock out some of these flus. Um, there's always something that comes and replaces these things. I'm not naive in that. But anyway, back to this. So Chicharito didn't travel and uh, Greg Vandy said, you know, it would have been, uh, it, it would have it, it been irresponsible basically to put him on the plane with everybody. Not really, you know, so he's going to get everybody else sick. I saw somebody on my Twitter feed was like, he should have played. This was a big game and you needed to have him. I'm like, yeah, I think it's perfectly fair to say that he should have played whenever he had a really high fever. He was throwing up. He was not in good shape. He was feeling very sick. He had contacted all the the team staff. They were trying to get him better. They were doing all these things, right? 
So you look at that and you say, okay, so, you know, he's, he's that. And then you want to put him on a plane, you know, the confined space that we all talk about. And we all know that you can share germs in an airplane and listen, they have really good air, air filtration systems coming from somebody who is, uh, has been in the airline industry. I can tell you that is absolutely true. The HEPA filters do circulate that air very quickly and they bring in a lot of fresh air too. People never realize that there's a lot of fresh air that it's brought in. That's great. Having said that, you still don't want him in a plane whenever you need everybody else. So you cannot spare, you have to spare Chicha in this in order to make sure that nobody else gets sick because this is something that could have gone completely through it. Now, having said all that, Chicharito is one of the reasons the LA Galaxy looked absolutely toothless in this game because he wasn't there. Uh, Jovulich is not Chicharito. Oh, shock, surprise, awe, amazing. Um, Chicharito is not Jovulich and Jovulich by himself up there was not a threat for most of the night for Sporting Kansas City. So, can't really question Greg Vanny on that. Won't question Greg Vanny on that. Uh, Legette starting, Grand Sur starting, fine and a fine. Uh, Victor Vasquez starting, fine. Ravellison, fine. Dos Santos, fine. Hamalainen, not really a choice, fine. Uh, I think in a perfect world, if Viafania was healthy enough and we have not got an update, and I will remind you that there is an LA Galaxy media call coming up on Friday. We're recording on Thursday night. Of course, it'll be on Friday. Friday, a little afternoon or a little bit before one, I should say. Um, the LA Galaxy will hold a media call. I don't know who's speaking yet. Greg Vanny will, and maybe we'll get an update on, on Viafania and sort of understand updates on Chicharito, that type of thing. But with Viafania not being available, not being here, not being on the bench, then the only person you can play over there is Hamelainen. And you should have known whenever you played Hamelin in there. And even if you were playing via Fania there, by the way, you were going to need help on Johnny Russell. So here's the thing is that Sebastian Legette being in front of Hamelin and was supposed to provide some help. Ravellison cheating to that side was supposed to provide some help. Williams on that side is supposed to provide some help, right? Williams cheating over or at least covering and backing up Hamline. And that's what has to happen whenever you have a guy who's as good as Johnny Russell. So I have no problems with this lineup. Araujo back there, Koulibaly, Koulibaly over Steris, flip a coin. Um, I thought I thought Koulibaly was fine um, in this particular game, although uh, there was some lax defending that certainly led to the first goal. We can talk about that a little bit if you want. And then Jonathan Bond back there in uh, in line uh, for the goalkeeping. All right, so there was Klinsman, Steres, Cabral, Kleschen, Alvarez, Zubak, Saldana, and Fisher on the bench. That's where we're at. Now, here we go. Um, when we look at this lineup and when we look at sort of what challenges it presented against the Sporting Kansas City team, I will tell you right away that Sporting Kansas City did a very, very good job of shutting down um, you know, Victor Vasquez and Sebastian Legette and Ryan Revelson and Jonathan Dos Santos very well. Um, when you look at Sanchez in there and Roger Espinoza and Walter, they were very good at sort of stepping up and taking away the space that that uh, that Vasquez usually uses to turn, uh, that Legette usually uses to find space in Revelson. This is part of that chess game that sort of happens here, right? And Vanny even acknowledged that he made some mistakes and sort of how they were trying to match things up as well, right? Um, you know, you're trying to find space in this and with a four, three, three and, and really the LA galaxy in more of a four, five, one, although Grant Sir pressed up Araujo into the midfield. I mean, you can sort of see how these things get wonky and, and change around, but Araujo coming up on the right-hand side, trying to overload Grant Sir was pressed up more as a forward. Um, there's a bunch of things that can happen here in order to try to get some verticality. And, you know, that's like the buzzword of the day is verticality, but for the galaxy, it's a limiting factor in how they approach the game and how they play the game and how they find success. If you look in the second half, whenever they brought in Kevin Cabral, Cabral was one of the brightest spots for the LA Galaxy in this game. All right. And as much as he has been 
uh, much maligned by Galaxy fans, he was the most dangerous thing that happened in this game, along with Sasha Kleshen whenever Kleshen came in, right? But in this starting lineup, the biggest problem was that Victor Vasquez looked a step slow, looked old, and they did. A, and the reason that he did look that way is because Sporting Kansas City was able to cut off spaces in that midfield. So Vasquez couldn't find space to turn and relay and push the ball forward. If you watched a lot of the Galley Galaxies uh, passing side to side, um, listen, you know, somebody's going to use possession for possession's sake. And I don't think that happened in this game. I don't think the Galaxy had possession just because they were like, oh, well, we have possession and we're going to keep it. They were literally trying to rock Sporting Kansas City back and forth and, tr and trying to open up lanes that would go vertical up into these things. Now, the Galaxy are not good at that to begin with. And so to set it up in this sort of lineup, and this is where and this is where Vanny admits that he got it wrong was they were too narrow here. And because they were too narrow in this lineup with a legit a little bit narrow, Grant Sear does stretch things on the right hand side. But maybe Cabral in this starting in this game is the better answer because you need to stretch this field wider because the midfield was so compact. They were able to cover all the spaces the galaxy were running into. Greg Vanny talked about it. He said he spent most of this game behind behind in terms of he was trying to adjust the LA Galaxy, trying to get them to find space to open up width, to be able to find passing lanes on the vertical side of things instead of just side to side. Right. And he said that he, he they, they didn't figure out the solution. Um, they did not figure out the solution. Um, you know, fast enough. And, you know, that's part of it is trying to set up in this particular way. And listen, I'm not in the I'm not in the locker room. I can only listen to what Greg tells us afterwards um, and sort of seeing these things. But when you're looking at these at, at how it's set up and how it played out is that Sporting Kansas City was set up correctly um, and they were set up to isolate Johnny Russell on the right hand side and push him past uh, Hamalinen. You can get upset at Hamalinen. You can. All right. And but if you get upset at Hamalinen, you're basically saying, well, I didn't watch any of the other games this year. Um, so that way. Uh, so that way you knew this was coming. I mean, you knew Hamelin would need help on that side because he's not a very good defender. Um, he's a average plus attacking left back and he's an average minus, uh, you know, defending left back. And you knew he was going to have problems with John Johnny Russell is one of the best attacking weapons in major league soccer. And he loves to eat up the LA galaxy for whatever reason. He gets a bug up his butt and away he goes. Um, two goals in this one right footed, one left foot. I think his right footed was the second time this year that he scored with his right footed goal. Um, that was the first one uh, with his right foot. That was the first goal in this game. So you look at this. And by the way, if you watch the first 10 to 15 minutes of this game, you would think that the L.A. Galaxy got uh, lost this game 12 to nothing. Um, I think Sporting Kansas City had six or seven corner kicks in the first 10 minutes. Right. If you go through the 15 minute mark, the L.A. Galaxy were just pinned. They had no relief. Uh, zone. Remember, as much as, uh, again, as Chicharito is a target forward, he drops into the midfield a lot, right? We've seen that. We've seen him drop into the midfield. We've seen him come back to the ball. And when he comes back to the ball, he can sometimes work as a relief valve. Jovalich tries to do that as well, but he's not as physical in the way that he needs to be. Now, Chicharito is very, very good in terms of drawing fouls and drawing contact and setting his body between him and the ball and the defender and making them the defender come through them and then adding a little oomph and rolled whenever he gets fouled as well. I appreciate all those things. Those are the little things that Chicharito does that you don't get with Jovalich, right? And so your backup quarterback that everybody wanted to see, you put him out there and you watched him just stay out there all by himself, just 
not doing much, not being able to find any room, not being able to find any space. People weren't were playing him through. There was, I think, one play in the second half, maybe it was even the first half, where um, the LA Galaxy actually had picked up possession. So we get through the first 15, 20 minutes, the Galaxy actually pick up possession again, and now they're starting just barely to put a little pressure on Sporting Kansas City. There's drives, there's good passing. The passing was quick. They were able to find a little bit of space before Sporting was able to go ahead and and readjust to what the Galaxy were trying to do. A lot of it running through Julian Araujo, by the way, Julian Araujo, I said it don't while the game was going on on Twitter. I will say it here again. The LA Galaxy's best player this year. I have tried to like quantify that in different ways and, and be like, oh, well, you know, but Chicharito blah, 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 is a difference maker. Chicharito is a difference maker. Um, Julian Araujo has been the best player on the LA Galaxy. He has been the best defender for the LA Galaxy. He has been one of the best. He leads the team in assists for the LA Galaxy. I think he has six. Right. And he is one of the main reasons the LA Galaxy have a, an attack that scores goals is Julian Araujo. All right. So Julian Araujo needs that needs that um, needs that moniker for the LA Galaxy this year. So whenever the team awards that are coming up are coming um, and we'll talk about the MLS ones that were announced and Julian Araujo's name is prominently featured in a bunch of these things. But when we're talking about the individual awards for the LA Galaxy, my votes are going to be a lot of Julian Araujo. Right. He's probably I, I'm going to if I get a vote, I believe, for defender of the year and player of the year uh, type of thing. We'll see if they take that away uh, again because they're worried Julian Araujo is going to win it instead of Chicharito. Um, but Julian Araujo deserves the player of the year for the LA Galaxy was as good in this game as he has been. Um, just there's not a lot of room in this. There's not a lot of things that he can do in these games. Um, and Jovalich, by the way, um, somebody was somebody in the chat room. I'm trying to trying to sort of see where it was. Um, but they were saying, you know, Jovalich wasn't, wasn't getting, um, wasn't getting fed the ball. Wasn't getting, yeah, well you have to move for it. Whenever Chicharito's not getting fed the ball, what does he do? He drops back real deep and he's able to assist and do those things. Jovalich tried to do that a couple times and he could not fight anything off physically. So, um, you are going to have to play ridiculously good in order to beat this sporting Kansas city team. And the galaxy did not approach that. Uh, their one spout probably about the last mm, 10 minutes before the goal. So maybe from the 30 to 40th minute, the galaxy were in control. They look good. They look like they were pressure pressuring sporting Kansas city. And then what happens, but something we have seen happen to this LA galaxy team as well. And we can blame the defense. Um, for me, the defensive side of things was not the problem against Sporting Kansas City. It was the midfield and it was the offensive side of things that was supposed to relieve pressure and they didn't. Uh, but Victor Vasquez coughed up the ball in the middle of the field. Whenever he coughed it up, Sporting Kansas City was able to come in. Now, here's the biggest problem with the defense is Derek Williams had a chance to clear a ball. Um, 100% had a chance to clear the ball. Could have kicked it out of bounds. Could have fought through it. Tried to be a little cute with it and got the ball stripped off his foot. The ball was then recycled over to the left-hand side of the LA Galaxy defense where Nico Hamelainen, again, is left by himself now because Derek Williams has come all the way across the field to the right-hand side. So Nico Hamelainen, all by himself, Sega Koulibaly trying to get over there to do it, and uh, Johnny Russell ends up scoring. Now, here is the problem. Here's, here's, the, here's the thing. Here's the rub. People wanted to say, oh, this is 100%. Um, you know, this is Jonathan Bond can't let that ball go through on, on the, on the, uh, the near post. I, I get sick of that argument. I don't like talking about it like the near post, like a goal can never be scored at the near post. You absolutely can. Um, and if you have, if you have somebody like Johnny Russell who scores all of his goals with his left foot, you have to think that at some point, whenever he gets that close to the end line, that he's going to cut that back. 
and that he's going to go left-footed on this. And he didn't. And he shot at a tight angle and he beat Jonathan Bond in the near post. I would be more upset if from that tight angle, Johnny Russell was able to get it on his left foot and curl it around Jonathan Bond than I would be if he takes his right foot, which he really hasn't scored from, and hits that near post and gets that. Hamelinen did as much as he could to try to stay in front of Johnny Russell, but Johnny Russell is very good. We know that. You need to get somebody else over there to help whenever you see that, but the Galaxy strung themselves out whenever they coughed up the ball. Again, the biggest problem for the LA Galaxy defense this year, uh, two big problems. Biggest problem that I see is that the LA Galaxy midfield turns the ball over and puts the puts the defense at just huge disadvantages all the time, and this was absolutely 100%. Absolutely 100%. By the way, Marvin, totally disagree. I know people feed that crap to everybody. Marvin says that's his post, though. That's goalkeeping 101. That's, uh, I totally disagree with that. 100%. 100% because I've talked to goalkeepers, and they're like, it's any other place. You have to be positioned. Yes, you have to split the difference sometimes. And we say, oh, you can't get scored on your post. It doesn't matter. You can't get scored on anywhere. A near post is a near post. That's like one of these things that people talk about. And I forget, there was some really famous goalkeeper who was saying, it does not matter. It does not matter at all which post they score on. They're not supposed to score. It's about positioning. It's about positioning and 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 sometimes the odds. All right. So I have I have no problems with that Johnny Russell goal. It was excellently taken. It was excellently struck. All right. So um, no, but going back, it's the midfield. The midfield has caused a problem. The other problem is the LA Galaxy don't recognize whenever they're in trouble. Let me just hit my microphone. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Uh, is that the LA Galaxy sometimes don't recognize the trouble. Clearly on the first goal in the 40th minute, that's what happened. Uh, Derek Williams didn't realize the trouble that he was in. Didn't realize the LA Galaxy were strung out, even though they just got countered. Uh, didn't realize that he needed to clear the ball as quickly as he did, and Sporting Kansas City was able to copy that. Um, he was able to see that, and they were able to move that ball over the other side. They will then move it over the other side. <clears throat> that's where we're at. That's where we're at. Um, that's the defense in this game. And if you want to talk about the second game, go ahead or the second goal. You can, uh, Derek Fisher got caught a little bit narrow, but again, a poor giveaway from the LA galaxy. They allowed sporting Kansas city. And at this point, who cares, right? 70, 82nd minute. I was going to say 82nd minute. The galaxy still are trying to find a goal to tie this game. These are one of these things where I do not care that Johnny Russell scored a second goal. It was a very nice goal, by the way, excellently taken left footed, curled it around him. Right, nothing he could do about it either. Jonathan Bond in correct position, curled all the way around and brought it back. Perfectly taken. Johnny Russell is that guy. He's that guy always. Uh, I thought the the substitution of Kevin Cabral coming in was good. Again, Hamelinen is not the problem here. You knew what you were getting yourself. You knew what you were getting in Hamelinen. So you needed to have a game plan to be able to protect Hamelinen whenever Johnny Russell comes in. Everybody wants to blame Nico. How? Again, did you not watch any of these? Have you not watched any of these games? You knew that was going to be a problem whenever this game started. So it's about making sure you help him. Legit is probably a pretty good option to try to help Nico Hamelinen. Not always. Certainly Legit pushing up. Revelison cheating to that side is a good thing to help Hamelinen. I thought Revelison had a bad game. I thought Jonathan Dos Santos had a bad game. I know Victor Vasquez had a bad game. Legit was MIA from the very beginning, and you could tell. One of the ways that you could tell that... Um, legit had a bad game is as soon as uh, Sasha Kleshin came in for him in the 72nd minute, the Galaxy were able to find some some vertical passes. And again, in a perfect world, Sasha Kleshin is three or four years younger and he's a 90 minute guy and he's just not. 
Um, you know, 15 minutes at the end of that game after playing the game before is about as much as you could possibly help. That's it. That's it. That's where that's where you're trying. That's what you're trying to get, and that's what you try to get out of them. And you saw the vertical pass. You saw those shot on goal that that uh, that Cabral got in the second half. You saw all these things. You saw the progression. You saw the ability to find some some balls. You know, in spaces. Um, Sebastian Legette has a problem. He has a big problem, and the problem is that he does not feel confidence within the system. And so, in the off season, because there's going to be an off season. Um, in the off season, whenever that happens, hopefully after the playoffs, hopefully after the LA Galaxy have surprised everybody and won an MLS Cup, uh, I don't, I don't believe that that's out of the realm of possibilities. It's not a, not a high possibility, but certainly, I still feel like the LA Galaxy are going to make the playoffs. We'll talk a little bit about that um, here and sort of figure out how that fits in. But Sebastian Legit has a problem. He needs to figure out how to play in a Greg Vanny defense, and if he can't do it, then, then you're done. Then he has to go somewhere else. He has to Giassi Zardes it, right? He has to go somewhere else that way. He can play in a system that's more comfortable for him. And he's going to be successful whenever he does that. Or Greg Vanny needs to take a page out of Bruce Arena's book, right? And f- let Sebastian Legette find his game within this system, which is, I don't need you to play exactly where I want you to play. I need you to play where you feel comfortable. And let's see how we can work around that. Um, you know, I was talking to Kevin Baxter uh, I, I don't know. I think I'm pulling I'm pulling it back just a little bit. I, I Kevin Kevin's working on a story about Bruce Arena and has talked to a whole bunch of people and the whole deal. And and one of the players that he talked to um, said, you know, the reason Bruce is so good is because he lets you play free. You don't have to think a lot about Bruce's system because Bruce's system is you go do what you need to do, and we're going to make sure that we work within that to to make things. It's why it's why New England can go out there and beat a Colorado team. Um, you know, pretty easily without really, you know, breaking a sweat in order to break that record. 73 points uh, held by LAFC. And they still have the game. So, I mean, I could see New England finishing with 76 points, um, which puts that record, so I feel, so far out of touch. But, you know, I'm sure people thought that whenever LAFC put it there, too. Um, you know, it doesn't mean anything for either team. Not balanced schedules, none of that stuff. But it's it's at least a mark. It's something there. Um, so Sebastian Legette has a problem. Victor Vasquez has a problem. He is not getting any younger. Uh, and you can see it. He, he sometimes, I, I have to imagine that he's hurting and we know he is. Um, you know, Vanny talked about him and both Jonathan Dos Santos playing with Knox the game before. I doubt they just suddenly got better. There's a bunch of guys who are injured on this team. Julian Araujo was late getting to our talk afterwards. In fact, he was the last person on the bus because he talked to us, um, afterwards. And, you know, that, that came really because of, um, he was in the treatment room, right? So he was in the treatment room. He was getting treatment, that type of thing. Um, so he's not feeling well, um, a hundred percent either. Nobody is at this point in the game. Uh, there's two games left. You've played 34 games plus preseason, everything else. Your body hurts. The games are coming fast and furious. There's no time to rest and recover. Um, but yeah, that's, 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 you know, that's one of those things that you look at and you say, okay, uh, let's hear from Greg Vanny. Give myself a little, little break, but let's hear from Greg Vanny and what he said. This is his answer to my question. Just gave him a general thought. So, uh, this one will be a little longer, but listen to what Greg says, try to pull it apart. Um, try to understand what he's trying to say. Um, and then maybe we can discuss it a little bit. Here's Greg Vanny after the game. Yeah, we were, uh, as I said to the guys from the start, we were set up great. Uh, and then we felt like the whole game, we were trying to organize ourselves in a way that we could settle in and get more comfortable, get more of the ball, still be dangerous, uh, defend in a way that we were comfortable. Uh, and I felt like for me, I felt like I was chasing the game the whole time to try to get us into some way that we could feel comfortable and still be dangerous in the game. So as I said to them, uh, I appreciate their effort. I thought they worked hard the entire game. They fought for 
for everything in the game. They tried to battle through the game. Um, we just never really found our comfort zone within the game. And so uh, I put that on me in terms of our organization and just trying to get us into the right spots. I felt like we were too narrow at the start just with Seba inside. And, and uh, so we didn't create any spaces for us to be able to play forward early in the game. So then we got Kevin on and tried to just get more width ahead of the ball um, and try to open up some space. Um, as we did that, we, we had some moments, but we also weren't um, as solid defensively. And we also we weren't necessarily as dangerous uh, and weren't able to really get dangerous in front of their goal or around their goal. So. Um, so as we started to go, we, we started to try to find different ways that we could support our forward and try to, to get more something in front of the goal, you know, more presence in front of the goal, more balls in front of the goal, something that could threaten, threaten their goal. And in the process of doing that, we, you know, trying to get some numbers in the right place, we obviously expose ourselves a little bit. I mean, they had two shots on goal in the grand scheme of things, but having said that, you know, we just never really found a comfortable position in the game to be able to get some control of the game. That's why I say the guys battled and we dealt with a lot of stuff, uh, but we just never fought. We just never really found our, our, like our comfort and our flow in the game of how we were going to control the game and and how we were going to create a chance. And so, um, yeah, but that the guys, again, the guys competed for 90 minutes. We, we put this one behind us and now we got to concentrate and prepare hopefully for the next one with a, with an extra day to get on the field and try to work some work out uh, some preparation for Seattle. And, and can you give us, they're also a good team. We have to give them credit. They're also a good team who very much understands their structure and they've got guys who fill their roles uh, very well. And uh, they played, you know, their structure took a, played a good part in the game for them being able to control things. So. All right, there we go. A little Greg Vanny talking after the uh, after the game uh, to me about some things. I, I asked him a little bit about, and it's a lot of what I just said, right? Um, that the narrowness, the fact they weren't creating lanes. I asked him what Sporting Kansas City did to order shut that down. He talked about the midfielders moving forward, uh, that type of thing. Um, so uh, yeah, that's where uh, that's where we sit. Here is his update on Chicharito, by the way. Um, and uh, I asked him why Chicharito didn't travel, all that fun stuff. So here is is his response. Yeah, he was uh, the night before travel. He he reached out to the docs. He was not feeling well. Um, they uh, they followed up with him. He was you know throat. It, it wasn't it wasn't anything to do with uh, with COVID, but he he was you know maybe something else. But it was he had a high fever and uh, and some other issues. Uh, physically just throat soreness, achiness, things like that, that it's a risk to put him in an airplane with the rest of the group too. And so it was better to, you know, to let him get some rest, hopefully fully recover and, uh, and give us everything he has for the last two matches. All right, Greg Vanny feeling, I think a little optimistic right now that Chicharito will be able to play, um, for Seattle, uh, for the Seattle game. So we'll see if, uh, if that indeed is the case or if it is not the case. Um, I, I just, I brought up, uh, and, and for those of you on the podcast, uh, I'll, I'll explain it to you, but, uh, for those watching live, uh, I brought up the passing network as well. The interesting thing here is the lack of link. Uh, between a, a, a sort of central forward that, that Chicharito usually brings. Uh, Victor Vasquez is there uh, sort of in the middle of the field, but he's obviously recessed from Jovalich and Grand Sur, who are sort of playing as the two, quote-unquote, two strikers. Just average position for most of the time on this, as you see. Uh, Leggett a little bit, uh, you know, sucked back in there. Julian Rajo pushed all the way up on the right-hand side. Again, the Galaxy get into, like, you know, this 3-4-3 three, 
uh, whenever they attack. It's just not that. And that average position always sees Raho way up because he makes runs from, you know, one touchline to the other touchline. So his average position is usually about midfield. Um, whenever you look at this, but there's some strong passing network through the middle of the field, but more horizontal. Um, if you look at vertical sides of this, there is no vertical side to the LA Galaxy. We've talked about it many times before. The LA Galaxy have not figured out how to be a a, a vertical team. It was it was one of those things that uh, you have to look. Uh, a lot of people were asking about taking Grand Sheer out whenever the uh, LA Galaxy brought Fisher in. Um, I thought that was an interesting move from Greg Vanny. And the reason that, um, hey, listen, Grand Sheer runs out of gas. And when he does, he is much less effective. So I could understand Greg Vanny saying that he's not going to get much more out of him. Bringing Fisher in moved Hamalainen up into the left wing role. So the Galaxy went three in the back. were able to push the wings up with Araujo. Uh, Fisher went back with a back through with Williams and I was doing uh, Kansas City radio and I said, you know, Greg Vanny, if he gets behind, does like to sort of shift into a three man back line, put five in that midfield with the Rajo and usually it's Hamelin. And so Rajo and Hamelin became the defenders on that. And of course, that led to the last goal, which was um, not a lot of track back, not a lot of stoutness through the center of the field after the Galaxy got turned over and the ball got pushed into that space. Um, and then uh, Fisher playing a little too narrow on that was allowing uh, uh, Johnny Russell to get on the outside. So that's where we're at. And again, the LA Galaxy, 50% possession on this. I mean, you know, as much as you'd like to look at the stats and say, oh, the Galaxy didn't get played off the field. They really did. This was never in doubt for Sporting Kansas City. Even if you look at expected goals of 0.7 for SKC and 0.8 for the LA Galaxy, that does not tell the story of this. The LA Galaxy were outplayed. Uh, no rhythm. Uh, nothing in that that really showed anything. And if you want to go look, uh, Fought Mob has the ratings for uh, for everybody's on the field. If you look over on the Sporting Kansas City side, there's a bunch of green marks, meaning that they played, um, you know, sort of, I think, above that 7.5 level um, in order to get a green mark. Uh, 9.2 for Johnny Russell. Obviously, he was outstanding. Uh, ended up being player of the week as well. Well-deserved for him. No problems. You go over in the LA Galaxy side, the best player they're showing is Jonathan Dos Santos. I can understand that just from a passing sense. Um, and certainly his 15 to 20 minutes that he had just before the first half was over was some of his best, uh, was able to find pockets on the right-hand side, was able to find a little, uh, vert some vertical passes com combination with Julian Araujo in there. I can understand that everybody else though. No, thank you. Have a nice day. Um, we'll see how it goes. All right. That's where we are. Uh, that's where we're at. Uh, I, you know, again, to me, Greg Vanny said that he, he put this one on him. I'm fine to put him on that, but uh, there's there's something that needs to happen here, and I think the biggest lesson for Greg Vanny here is this. Play the Galaxy in a position and in a formation and in a style that they are comfortable with, and even if it doesn't match up, I'm, I'm sure he's looked at it and said, you know, with Sporting Kansas City, they're going to be able to do this, this, and this. This team is not strong enough within the system right now to go ahead and play a system they're not comfortable with in order to try to exploit something on another team. That's an advanced level, right? That's like a, you know, a 301, a 401 class um, in college. Right now, the Galaxy really are in the 102, 103 classes. You need to keep it simple for these guys. Let them play in a style they feel comfortable with and let them be creative within that style. Uh, I feel like that's a little bit of Bruce in there. Uh, but Bruce is always more tactically aware than he pretends to be. So um, just just keep that in mind. That's one of the things uh, that needs to happen for this LA Galaxy team is they need to feel comfortable. Um, they need to feel comfortable. And quite honestly, they need Chicharito. Jovulich is not going to cut it. You do not have enough attacking options whenever Chicharito is, is not in this lineup. And so if Chicharito can't make it back for Seattle, the Galaxy lose this game. Soon as Chicharito was not in this lineup... Uh, I texted Eric and, and, a, and a buddy and I was like, I was like, I don't see them winning this game. I go, I don't think they have the horses and they clearly didn't have the horses in this game. 
Um, big letdown for the LA Galaxy, a chance to get some points. But really, when you look at it, I, this was always going to be one of those you have to play perfect games. And they were far from it. So LA Galaxy get the loss 2-0. Uh, let's get through some MLS news here um, as we get you ready and slowly start transitioning into Monday night's game. Again, there's going to be a weekend of games. I'll go over some schedules with that. Uh, but Monday night's game uh, is is going to be important. It'll be after everybody else has played. So the Galaxy will get a pretty good chance of understanding what they have to do. Uh, MLS did release the top selling jerseys. I don't know if you care about this or not. I thought it was interesting just to see the LA Galaxy getting three in the top 10. Um, that is uh, Chicharito was number four. Jonathan Dos Santos is number nine and Sebastian Legette is number 10. Only Seattle had more uh, with Rui Diaz at number two, uh, Nicholas Ladero at number five, Christian Roldown at six and Freddie Montero at number eight. All right. So um, as much as we pretend that that doesn't matter, it does matter. It matters if maybe the LA Galaxy might possibly might offer a third kit. Um, it matters for these things. So we keep an eye on that. We look at it. Uh, I thought Tom, Tom, uh, Tom Bogert had a great thing. MLS soccer, a contributor, uh, Tom Bogert went through and looked at every single, uh, every single team by designated player and looking at goals plus assists by DPs. Right. And so he went through and ranked this. And by the way, uh, I have trouble sort of putting this all together in my head and trying to figure out how much this matters. Clearly, it matters when it matters, and sometimes it doesn't matter at all, right? And and I know that's that's a weird thing to sort of look at, but if you look at New England, they have three designated players. Their three designated players, goals plus assists by DPs, they have 6,506 minutes, by the way, which is a lot. Um, 6,506 minutes total played by the designated players. They have 66 goals plus assists out of uh, Gil, Bo, and... Uh, Buxa. Uh, so that those are the those are the their three. Then you look at Nashville, who has three designated players. They get thirty three goals plus assists. Atlanta's the same. Uh, Joseph Martinez, Barco, Arajo. Um, their three designated players give thirty three at forty two hundred and twenty one minutes. Right. So you can sort of go this. You go through Sporting Kansas City, Seattle, Columbus, Miami, Orlando, San Jose, and New York City, and you finally get to the LA Galaxy down here, uh, who have twenty four. Chicharito, by the way, has fourteen goals. Right. I think he has two assists, if I remember off the heart. So that's 16. And then there's everybody else. Uh, so Chicharito, Jonathan Dos Santos and Cabral have 5,047 minutes. Um, and with that 5,447 minutes, uh, they have gotten 24 goals plus assists out of their designated players. They are towards the bottom of the, towards the middle of the list. I'll say the middle of the list. Um, but if again, it matters and it doesn't matter. Right. As you look down here on the bottom, Philadelphia is a very good team. They have eight. Eight goals plus assists from their one designated player. You look at Dallas, who's horrible. They have 10. They have two designated players, 2,800 minutes. They have 10 goals plus assists from that. Uh, but go to Colorado, who is one of the better teams in the Western Conference. They have one. They have one DP, 470 minutes, one goal or an assist. I don't even know which one it is. Um, and Colorado is just fine. So it matters when it matters, and sometimes it doesn't matter. Uh, it's just it's just that's that's where you're sitting. That's where you're looking at. That's what you're trying to figure out uh, for all these things. Now, um, I actually did the LA Galaxy's designated players, and you know I track that and sort of keep an eye on that as well. Uh, the designated player minutes for the LA Galaxy, Javier Hernandez, Jonathan Dos Santos, and Kevin Cabral uh, were at uh, a total number of minutes played at 5,047. I have the same number as Tom, so at least we're both doing something right there. Uh, the LA Galaxy, that means that the LA Galaxy's designated players have played in 61% of the minutes. 
Uh, somebody asked me if you go and look at um, all of the league, how does that compare? And I said, well, I don't track all of the league. I only track the LA Galaxy. But what I do is have four years worth of data. So if you go back to last year, the 61% in 2021 is actually the highest percentage of minutes played by the LA Galaxy in the last four years. 57.9% in 2020. Um, you look at 59.2% in 2019. And then, of course, you go back and you're back to 2018 and 50.7% of the total available minutes were played by uh, designated players Giovanni Dos Santos, Jonathan Dos Santos, and Roman Alessandrini. They also had Ola Kamara and Zlatan Ibrahimovic on that. And if you added their 87% and almost 80%, um, respectively, onto that, the Galaxy finished at 63.5%, but we were counting DPs, and those guys weren't DPs whenever that happened. So uh, the LA Galaxy at 61% is the best in the last four um, but somebody actually went and looked at 2014 and I can't confirm this, but we were the, the LA galaxy designated players in 2014 shows, uh, a 78%, uh, availability. This is a chronic issue for the LA galaxy, getting designated players who don't play Jonathan Dos Santos and Javier Hernandez guilty of that. Um, this is, this is important that you have to have game changers. You have to have winning and your designated players need to be on the field. If that's going to happen. Uh, for the Galaxy, that has not happened over the last four years, and they have suffered because of that, and it's something they have to continue to look. Uh, your availability is a skill, right? Availability is a skill. Sasha Kleshin told us that. Uh, Chicharito has has been failing that skill. We know that. We've been following that for a while. So um, that's something to sort of take a look at whenever we get there. Um, so Tom Boger did a great job on that. Let me, uh, <coughs> I'm going to probably have you uh, listen a little bit to Julian Araujo after this, only because... I'm getting a nice little tickle in my throat, and I'm going to start losing it. Um, so here's Julian Araujo talking a little bit after the game uh, against uh, Sporting Kansas City and and just, you know, trying to sort of put everything together. Yeah, you know, obviously we we had a different plan this game. Uh, it didn't work out the way we wanted it to go. Um, but no, you know, this game is over with now. We can't really stress over it no more. We know we have two games. We have two finals to, to focus on. We have Seattle next on on Monday. And we just got to go up now. We just got to turn turn it around. We got to recover. We got to focus on on what we need to focus on and uh, learn from what, the mistakes that we made today. But um, yeah, you know, we're gonna have our full squad next week, so we should we're gonna be ready for for Seattle and hope, hopefully to turn it around. All right. I then asked Julian um, a little bit about the the LA Galaxy and how they've never been below the line. They've never, not once, not for one day in 2021, have the LA Galaxy dropped below seventh in the standings. All right. Um, they have not done it. And the LA Galaxy are one point from dropping out of the playoff contention after having been there for 32 games. Uh, by the way, the majority of that up in the top four. Um, after after doing all that, the Galaxy are on the on the precipice of doing that. Um, so I, I asked them if they're watching that line and, and would it be a disappointment? Here's his response. So we're not really keeping our we're not really keeping our focus on the line. You know, we know we know that we want to get to the playoffs. Uh, we know what it's going to take. We know that we got to win these games coming up, and we're not we're not focused on the on on we're not really keeping an eye on the line. You know, we we know what, what, how many points we need to get, and uh, our goal is to get to the playoffs. So we're going to do whatever we can to to get there. All right, there we go. There's uh, there's Julian Rajo talking a little bit there. Um, so uh, that's that's sort of where we where we finish with that. Um, I'm looking at the LA Galaxy's weekly schedule. Galaxy tr- did uh, not train today; they were off today. Uh, the Galaxy probably arrived last night. I was talking to some people. Uh, probably li- arrived back in um, the LA area. I, I, don't, I don't I can't remember if they went to Long Beach or not, but to, probably to Long Beach. Um, they arrived back and they. Uh, probably around one or two a.m., uh, which then they drove back to the stadium. So then you, you're probably able to to leave 
at about, you know, 2 or 3 a.m. And so that's what time everybody got home. It was about 2 or 3 a.m. So uh, a Thursday off. Um, I was told, by the way, that other people stay back and actually, um, you know, put all the equipment away and do all that stuff. And those guys could be here till, you know, five or six a.m. Um, in the on those travel days and, and doing all that. So it's a long, long day for the galaxy. So they will train on Friday, media availability a little bit before one o'clock. Uh, hopefully I'll be on that call. I expect to be I'm on most of those calls. So talk to Greg, fight, get status updates, that type of thing. Gal- galaxy will train on Saturday. We'll train on Sunday morning. Um, and then they will travel to Seattle on Sunday afternoon when the LA Galaxy will then take on the Seattle Sounders. 7 p.m. Pacific time is the kickoff for that. Uh, if we're looking at the possible playoff things that we think, all right, if we're looking at at, at a possible playoff schedule, uh, the round one games would be played anywhere from November 20th to November 23rd. Conference semifinals, November 25th to November 30th. Conference finals, December 4th, December 5th, MLS Cup, December 11th. All right, that's sort of the schedule. I don't know that you need to worry about that yet, but let's pretend that you do. Um, and so that way you can sort of keep looking at it. LA Galaxy just have two games yet left. Seattle, 7 p.m. Listen, it's coming down to Minnesota. All right, I'm convinced of it. Um, there's some things that you could that need to happen um, over the weekend in order for the Galaxy to drop below the line. But barring those things from happening, the Galaxy will be above the line regardless of what happens in Seattle. Um, and then you sort of have to wait a little bit. Uh, we'll see and we'll try to talk a little bit about what that's going to look like whenever we actually have another show on Thursday. Remember, there's no Monday show because the Galaxy play on Monday. Tuesday um, is a no-go. And then so basically we'd be ready for Thursday anyway for a Sunday uh, final with uh, with Minnesota. So this is, you know, that game is coming down to Minnesota. We've known this for a while. I think that Kevin was a little optimistic whenever he was like, oh, well, they can't let it get to this game. It was always coming down this game unless you think the Galaxy were suddenly going to get a lot better um, and be able to take points from from Sporting Kansas City to Seattle. Now, Seattle has some issues. We can talk about those issues as we sort of move forward, but I want to get you ready. There are some games that you need to watch. One of the games that you need to watch on Saturday, October 30th, it's RSL hosting San Jose. Listen, you really need San Jose to win that game. San Jose has been eliminated from the playoffs. They got eliminated by Portland. Uh, if you saw Spria's overhead goal, um, it was a thing of beauty. You should go watch it. A little volley, a little kick over his head back into the back of the net. It was It was a lot of fun. Uh, you need RSL to lose that game. Or again, we always talk about minimum point distribution, right? Minimum point distribution would be, uh, you know, a zero in this case, because you want RSL to get zero on it. But um, really, San Jose needs to take points at RSL. The likelihood of that happening, kind of small. Uh, don't really put my faith in, in San Jose. There's another Western Conference game that everybody's like, oh, what about Colorado and Houston? Nobody cares. Colorado's above the galaxy. They're going to stay there. Houston is eliminated from the playoffs. Those points don't matter. But the 1031 game, Sunday, October 31st, 1031. It's a 10 a.m. Pacific time kickoff. Sporting Kansas City will travel to Minnesota to take on Minnesota. SKC is playing in every window to close this out. Right. And so there's some danger here that they go to Minnesota who's battling, right, and trying to get some things done, trying to stay above the line, trying to do all these things. And that Minnesota might find a way to get it. Minnesota just lost to Vancouver, Minnesota in this Kansas City game. If both of those games don't go the Galaxy's way, uh, Minnesota could jump them and RSL could jump them. Even if uh, if RSL draws, uh, they will be tied on points with the LA Galaxy going in. So even a draw is okay because the LA Galaxy 
would nope the gala galaxy lose that i i was trying to think oh the winds are fine no the winds would not be fine rsl has the winds and it would go to gold differential and rsl is plus three the galaxy are minus four rsl will jump even with a draw so the galaxy could drop to seventh whenever rsl beats san jose which i'm fully expecting to happen then the other thing is that minnesota and that minnesota versus sporting kansas city game sporting kansas city still battling for that first spot they're in it right now 58 points seattle 58 points colorado 55 points portland 49 points so you look at that and say okay they're going to be battling for that game they need that game seattle uh coming up on monday they're like we'll have a chance to be three points ahead of seattle and then maybe the la galaxy can cause some problems but sporting kansas city is probably saying the galaxy aren't going to win that game and so we need to go ahead and make that happen so if minnesota beats sporting kansas city then they could go up and jump the la galaxy if they get a draw um, or worse, they'll stay below the LA Galaxy. That one would put Minnesota on 46 points. You go to the wins. Minnesota has 12. They would then be underneath the LA Galaxy, so they would not be able to jump the LA Galaxy. So the Galaxy are probably going to fall in seventh. I think the most likely scenario in all this is that the LA Galaxy are going to be in seventh by the time they go to play on Monday. Then there's problems because you look at the, the midweek schedule after that, um, and there's games that are played on that Wednesday, on this Wednesday that's coming up, um, that could affect the LA Galaxy as well. And then there's the Sunday games. Uh, this, is, this is one of those things to look at and say, okay, um, you got to keep an eye on this, but the Galaxy could be in that seventh spot. All right, could be in that seventh spot. Um, wait and see, but that's where it sort of uh, looks like it is headed right now um went through that schedule went through the standings um i think you're good on that one uh supporter shield okay uh end of the year mls end of the year nominations let me get through these quick before i head over to the seattle game and, and get you ready for this uh landon donovan mvp award julian rajo and javier chicharito hernandez were nominated from that most teams nominated one or two people in order to get there uh neither of those guys are winning that award goalkeeper of the year jonathan bond is nominated from the la galaxy uh he's not winning that award it's nice to be nominated though he is the only like almost everybody puts their goalkeeper up for goalkeeper of the year <coughs> unless like they didn't start all that many games defender of the year julian rajo Derek williams Araujo's name will be in the mix for defender of the year he's not going to win it in my opinion um, but he has been very very good this year um, so you know expect him to get some press around defender of the year newcomer of the year jonathan bond and ryan revelson i don't think they're winning either of those um, but they're at least nominated young player of the year Efrain alvarez it's kind of hard to be the young player of the year whenever you're the second best young player uh, on the team which is julian rajo julian rajo has a chance to be the young player of the year, 100%. Uh, keep an eye on that and sort of see whether or not he will be in the conversation for sure. Comeback player of the year, Javier Hernandez, after his injuries last year. I don't think he's going to be mentioned in this, although he does have 14 goals in 19 games, I think, um, so far this year. So there's some talk of that, but with him missing, again, significant amount of time, it's kind of hard to do that. Humanitarian of the year, I would be surprised if Julian Araujo doesn't win that award, but we will see. Uh, he's going to win it for the LA Galaxy for sure. Um, but, uh, you know, just again, keep an eye on that, Julian Araujo um, in that one. And then the Siggy Schmidt, coach of the year war greg vanny is listed in there he will not win it all right all right uh let's get a little bit and get you ready for this uh seattle game let's let's just have fun and um let's see can i can i even do this i've i've been i've been messing around with stuff for for so long it's like oh yeah i know which buttons to push i have no idea what buttons to push um we can talk a little bit about this uh, seattle game coming up on Monday, November 1st, the LA Galaxy traveling up to the Seattle Sounders play at Lumen Field. The game, 7 p.m. kickoff 
um, excuse me, 7 p.m. TV time, 7.08 p.m. kickoff. This looks like now a nationally televised game. Game going to be picked up on TUDN um, and on Twitter as well. That seems to be the case. We'll just keep an eye on that. But this is a big game now. Everybody's paying attention to it. And so um, it wouldn't surprise me that the national TV pickup on this is a, is a thing uh, that is actually going to happen here for uh, for the LA Galaxy. Galaxy 13, 12, and 7, 46 points. Seattle Sounders 17, 8, and 7 for 58 points. If you want to know something, the LA Galaxy and Seattle Sounders have the same home record this year. 8, 4, and 4, 28 points. Both of them they got from home. That is good news for the LA Galaxy. Uh, the bad news is that Seattle 9, 4, and 3 um, on the road. That's where they've gotten a majority of their points. They are better on the road right now than they are at home, but that's good for the Galaxy going up to Seattle in a place they have not won in a very long time. Galaxy five, uh, 8 points out of the last 5 games. Uh, Seattle just four points out of the last five games. Winless in their last four games for Seattle. This is the longest of streak of the season for them. And the LA Galaxy, of course, we know, have two wins in the last 13 games. So not exactly great uh, stuff whenever you look at it, that. Uh, a whole bunch of injury updates, a whole bunch of fun stuff to sort of take a look at on this. Uh, the biggest one is the LA Galaxy have not won in Seattle since 2016. July 9th, 2016, actually. 1,941 days ago whenever the Galaxy actually take the field on Monday. That's how long it'll be. 1,941 days since the Galaxy won in that game. Robbie Keane scored a goal, assisted by Giassi's artist. Uh, Brian Rowe was there. Dave Romney was on that team. Daniel Starez, Baggio Husidic, Robbie Keane, Steven Gerrard, Giovanni Dos Santos, Giassi's artist, AJ De La Garza, Jeff Laurentowitz, and Yellow Van Dam were the starting lineup. Uh, Dan Kennedy, Alan Gordon, Sebastian Lejet, Mike McGee, Leonardo, Emmanuel Botang, and Rafael, Rafael Garcia were on the bench. That's the last time the LA Galaxy actually beat uh, the Seattle Sounders. So a big, 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 huge task that you're asking the LA Galaxy to sort of try to pull off in this one. Uh, if we take a look and uh, see the Seattle Sounders, 14 wins, 11 draws, 15 losses to the LA Galaxy. Galaxy are up by one in this. Um, I actually went back and looked at 2015 and the playoff game that was played there in Seattle was a knockout round game. Uh, that was a 3-2 loss for the LA Galaxy. That was in 2015. Other than that, they are not good um, up in Seattle. It is not a it is not a friendly place for the Galaxy. And even when the Galaxy were winning MLS Cups, some of those came in at, with like losses, but the goals, like the goal differential mattered or draws and the goal differential mattered. It's not a place the Galaxy like to play. It's not a friendly place. The turf is horrible. Um, just just looking at all that, I mean, what are the chances it's going to rain? I haven't even looked yet, but I'm sure it's raining. I'm sure it's going to be cold. This is going to be a very difficult game uh, if the LA Galaxy are going to get any points in this. Um, the, the really interesting thing here is that Brian Schmetzer was on the radio tonight um, or this afternoon, and there was a whole bunch of news that could sort of come out. So Will Bruin will be out. He actually got his knee injured again in the game that they beat, that they lost to LAFC 3 to nothing in. Uh, that's the game the the Seattle Sounders are coming off of. Actually have one extra day of rest because they played uh, last Tuesday instead of Wednesday. So they played Tuesday and then they traveled home. Um, so they've been resting and, and doing. He says, uh, Schmetzer says that Rui Diaz might be back, although they're certainly weighing the long-term benefits of that. If I read between the lines there, I would be surprised if Rui Diaz decided to, uh, to show up in this game. Um, just because I think they're like, we're happy. We're going to be in the playoffs. We want them healthy. We don't want to check them or we don't want to push them. Uh, Nicholas Ladero, who's not played a whole bunch, they're waiting to see how his knee reacts from this weekend. Um, and so whether or not that sort of comes in, he has not been playing for them either. So uh, Jordan Morris, um, <clears throat> Brian Smetcher said, has been medically cleared and will play and will do something against the LA Galaxy. 
I think if you're the LA Galaxy, you're hoping that that something is, you know, a two minute curtain call at the end after the Galaxy are already winning three nothing. Uh, but that's a big ask. The 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 uh, Seattle Sounders have been very good, but if they don't have a striker, if Rui Diaz, they don't want to rush back and they don't want to put Bruin out there, they will have. Um, you know, more of an issue. Freddie Montero may come up and take that spot. And Montero certainly knows the LA Galaxy well. Um, you know, you could see them sort of moving stuff around, but they have been playing three in the back and sort of, you know, that five man or four man midfield. It's more five whenever they sort of attack. And Brad Smith has tore the Galaxy apart whenever they, he played them earlier. Uh, Kellen Rowan, the center, is very good. Atencio is very good. Uh, you got Nuhu back on defense. Yamar back on defense. Stefan Fry is back in goal and playing very well as well. Uh, but this is a Seattle team that is absolutely 100% uh, struggling right now. Um, and they're going to get some guys back, and that's probably going to be a good boom. And they definitely want this game um, at home. This game at home for them is going to be a, a you know a sort of huge um, advantage for them coming back from some not-so-good uh, performances. Like we said, winless and four. They haven't been great. I actually have a form guide. Uh, I don't know if you guys have ever like seen a form guide. I'll throw it up on the screen. Just it's it's it'll be hard for you to read. Uh, I don't expect you to read it. But whenever we look at the Seattle Sounders and their form guide, uh, they have a loss, a draw, a loss, and a loss in their last four games. Um, so they have three losses and one draw in their last four. They have a win before that as well. Um, that last win was against the Vancouver Whitecaps four to one. Vancouver is one of the hottest teams in Major League Soccer since uh, some arbitrary numbers somebody picked out but it's significant the, the amount of time was significant i was watching some of that game last night after the la galaxies game uh seeing if minnesota could somehow stage a comeback uh they got a goal but they couldn't get the second one so uh vancouver ended up winning that game which was sort of looking for a draw there um as it goes out as we look at this seattle team though the biggest thing is they really do like to play you know sort of an outside in so those outside backs um, those outside wing backs uh, like Brad Smith um, are super, super important to how they play. And if those guys are playing well, um, then you have a big problem. The Galaxy have to figure out how to match up in the midfield with them. And I, I think we're pretty I think we've we've already talked about how the L.A. Galaxy have struggled to match um, midfields and and a bunch of things um, that, that, that have happened in the past. The Galaxy do not have a stout midfield. They do not have a dynamic midfield and teams like uh, like a Sporting Kansas City or Seattle tend to bog them down in the midfield um, and that kill, kills any creativity. You guard Victor Vasquez, you, you certainly can. So, um, that's that's something to sort of watch here as we go. Set pieces um, are something that Seattle seems to you know thrive on a little bit. Uh, so keep an eye on that. A lot of times they'll play it short in order to move angles. As much as you guys all hate short corners, Seattle's actually pretty good at them. Um, and they get a lot of bodies in the box. The Galaxy are going to have to be on their toes whenever it comes to uh, defense. Nick DePew should be back. Um, I don't think I saw, and I haven't seen it yet because they haven't released it yet, but I'm looking for yellow card suspensions or anything. I don't think there were any plus one uh, yellow cards that we were worried about going into that Sporting Kansas City game. I think it was plus two so um nobody should be suspended for this this game in seattle um but Dronda is another guy you sort of have to watch too and then i you know i was sort of looking at a bunch of their old games and will bruin has been really important to them so the fact that he won't be there and re-injured his knee is going to be a positive for the galaxy i mean if you want to be positive about this is you have a struggling seattle side who hasn't put together a good game really in their last four uh, who got blown out by lafc you know earlier this week uh on a tuesday three to nothing on the road um, and is is missing some guys and trying to get some guys back. I don't know. I don't know how they um, how they can sort of you know make that happen. I, I don't know how the Galaxy find a way. Chicharito has to be in the starting lineup. 
I mean, that that for me, they have to be able to create offense. They have to be able to create danger. And with this three-man back line that turns into a five-man back line whenever they're defending, uh, the real sort of key here is those vertical balls in behind and in the spaces, right? Running off of, you know, the left shoulder of the outside back, cutting towards the goalposts, finding balls between two two guys and in spaces. It's those little passes, the ones that we've seen Kevin Cabral get on the end of, with the ones that we've seen Chicharito get on the end of, that you can push Grand Sur into those moments as well. But that means that the midfield has to find them, and that hasn't happened. Um, I think if you're looking for something realistic from the LA Galaxy is they don't win this game. If they draw this game, that would be a huge point for them. A huge point, um, massive point. It is going to come down to Minnesota. You cannot deny that it's coming down to the Minnesota game. All right, so uh, keep that in mind when you're watching this game. We all know it's coming down to Minnesota, and it should matter. Uh, but, you know, I, I don't know what else you want from the LA Galaxy. They're going to get a chance to get in the playoffs. All right, I, if they if they can win this game, then I think they have a real chance. All right, but... Um, I, you know, their chances skyrocket if they win this game. Let's let's put it that way. Um, skyrocket if they win this game. If they get a draw, it's of such an important point. It's such a huge point um, that they could get. And if they don't get any, it, it's probably coming down to the last game anyway. Um, so this is this is where it is. This is where it sits. You have a bunch of guys, and we sort of went over the Western Conference standings, but let's go over them again one more time. You have LAFC, who is in the hunt. You have Minnesota, who's in the hunt. You have Salt Lake, who's who's above the line. You have the Galaxy above the line. You have Vancouver above the line, and you have Portland above, above the line. Those are all of your competitions, but really, it's Vancouver, LA, RSL, Minnesota, and LAFC. There are five teams for three spots. Right now, the Galaxy occupy one of those slots. Uh, get a point in Seattle and get a win against Minnesota. Again, uh, get a win against Minnesota. That's going to, if you can't mark Minnesota down as a win, knowing that it's going to be played for absolutely everything. And John Strong in the broadcast hinted that Fox might even pick this game up because it's going to be such a big game. Could have so much meaning for who makes the playoffs, who doesn't. Uh, the Galaxy will be in the playoffs whenever they play that Minnesota game uh, because that is a playoff game. Uh, it's a it's a winner-take-all uh, game. So all those things looking towards everything. Yeah, and LA Natives, like, it's Fan Appreciation Day, which has always gone so well for the LA Galaxy. I know everybody's still thinking about the Houston game in, in 2018, 100%. Houston game, 100, LA Galaxy, 2 nothing at halftime. I mean, nobody's going to be able to breathe in that Minnesota game. Um, it will be a squeaky bum time. I know, I know some people were like, I've never heard that before, but I will continue to use it and make sure it's part of your, uh, your, your lexicon. All right. So that's where we sit. LA galaxy, uh, coming up Monday, November 1st, everybody have a safe and happy Halloween. It'll be after happy Halloween. It'll be after Halloween. Everybody can dress up in there. I don't know. Mitt Romney sort of ruined the Ted Lasso dress up, right? That was it. We're, we're done. Um, by the way, I want to just approach. I know there are a lot of people upset that they saw, you know, Jason Sudeikis and, and some of the guys from uh, from from Ted Lasso at the LAFC game. And I will say that um, I, I saw Coach Beard and Danny Rojas at an LA Galaxy game like two or three weeks ago. So they are I've seen them. I've seen them holding up Austin jerseys. I've seen them go over. So listen, they're soccer people. They're making the rounds, that type of thing. And, uh, you know, that's that's fine. Just calm down. Still a great show, even if Mitt Romney tries to to ruin it. Maybe you, maybe we should all complain to Dave Romney. He could get his. They're related. I forget exactly how they're related, but you know we could you could complain if you wanted to. I guess please don't bother Dave Romney. That would be a horrible thing. All right. I think that does it. Hopefully, I provided you with a little peek into what is going to happen this week, uh, what we're expecting from the LA Galaxy, what that schedule is, and sort of what the LA Galaxy need to do against Seattle. Um, but this is going to be a, a ridiculously important game. It's the biggest game of the year, and then it'll be followed by the absolute biggest game of the year. The good thing is, 
that whenever they play Minnesota, we will probably get to say it's a must-win game. It'll be actually mathematically important. It'll be a must-win game. Um, it's going to be a must-win game anyway. I don't care if the LA Galaxy beat the Seattle Sounders. It's going to be a must-win um, going against Minnesota as well. There's going to be a lot of things happening. Pay attention to all the games. Uh, we'll try to highlight them as we can on Twitter, or Discord, any of those places. So go uh, go see how it is. All right. Uh, I'm trying to think. Anything else? We're good. We're good. We're good. We're getting out of here. All right. If you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at JGuessman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N. And of course, at Galaxy Podcast. Head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. That's where you can find all of our wonderful podcasts, all of our articles, our recaps, all that fun stuff. Our our press conferences are usually there as well. Uh, head over to our YouTube channel. Subscribe. Like the video. Do all that fun stuff. Subscribe on the podcast. Help us out the best way you can. By the way, big shout out to Patrick. $5 Super Chat says, you got to believe. You got to believe. It's the hope that kills you. It's the hope that keeps you alive. You got to believe. Believe in something, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the LA Galaxy is trying to press for a playoff spot coming up. Seattle Sounders, LA Galaxy, Monday, 7 p.m. kickoff, TUDN, and on Twitter. We will see you there. All right, for me, and I guess just only me, I'm Josh Gessman. I'm Pato. You've been listening. You've been watching to Corner of the Galaxy on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody. See you. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. Fans, we thank you for listening, and we ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo. And on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.